Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. Again, and you are listening to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio, broadcasting from the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of British Columbia. If you're listening to this show in the podcast, this is episode 230. I'm Michael McCall. I'm Steve Pander. I'm Zachary Adam Eisenheimer. And I'm Joe DC. And we have an action-packed, fun-filled show for you tonight. We're going to be looking at what's happened this week in Whitecaps land. Also some stuff in MLS. We're going to do a little bit, look over some more Whitecaps stuff from this season. Uh, voting our awards, because it is awards season, so we're going to get some of our AFT awards underway. But we're, we're going to kick off by by looking at some of this week's news. And it's not been a busy busy news week in Whitecaps land. Has been some big stories come out. The biggest probably being... The official confirmation, WFC2 are dead. Yeah, reported first by AFTN. Well, yeah, we we have talked about it for, for weeks before that. But one team is dead. Another team is very much alive. Fresno FC starting their first USL season next year. Going to be affiliating with the Whitecaps. And you can read the article on AFTN for a lot of the ins and outs. First player announcements are expected this coming week both from a Fresno side and from a Whitecap side, so stay tuned for that. But now that it's official, like, just what's, what's your thoughts on it? Yeah, I, I still think it's uh, disappointing in, in one sense to to start something and then to, to have it um, stop, you know, unplanned and unexpectedly. On the other side, you're obviously looking forward to how can the club develop players, and I think everyone's hoping that they've learned things from having players play in USL and that they'll be able to continue to provide opportunities for players from the residency to play at the USL level before going to the MLS. That's obviously the hope, but yeah, obviously there's significant disappointment. I really like the line on the article that it said, good intention, but poorly executed the, uh, the whole WFC two thing. Um, it's very good to still have a, a USL linked club to, to the Whitecaps. Um, I know we've been discussing how many players from the current WFC2 squad are actually going to go down to Fresno um, if, if they have other opportunities available to them. But, you know, it, it's a, it's better than it's better than nothing, right? Um, and having Frank Yallop in the job, I think, is, is a good call. Um, 
He's he is Canadian. He has MLS experience. Um, even though he kind of left his last job in kind of um, strange circumstances, and I actually digged out a stat about that. He has the lowest win percentage in uh, Phoenix Rising history, with thirty three percent. They only they've only had four coaches. That'd be, yeah. Yeah, Yallop. It's going to be interesting to see just exactly what he does. Obviously, he's not the head not coach. The coach yeah. I mean, he is the technical guy. Adam Smith, they've dug him up from his 18th century economics course. Um, so he's, he's going to be good with, with all the maths and money ball and stuff like that. But I don't know. But we're hoping to, to have a bit more on next Sunday's show just about the, the whole Fresno affiliation. If you were a Fresno fan, though... And you were reading the news this week, and it's all promoting the Whitecaps and Yallop saying, "Yeah, I want to. I know it's good for Canadian players." Blah blah blah. How would you be feeling right now? Happy that you are affiliated with a major league soccer club, or feeling that this club that you thought was your local club is not actually your local club? Yeah, I think you would think they have mixed feelings. One, you, you hopefully they're excited to have like their own local cl- their own local football club. Uh, so that's positive. The positive. The negative is, yeah, if they can't recognize their place in the pseudo North American football pyramid, and recognize what comes with this type of thing comes with that, then it might be a rude awakening or you know an unfortunate realization for them. But uh, I think most people who are passionate about football and want to support their local club, hopefully, will get get behind them, even with some foibles like this. And I think the relationship between um, MLS clubs and their affiliates has been generally okay. We have WFC at WFC too, which you know there's been a lot of questions about how they were run. But like you look at uh, Sporting Kansas City's second team, um, at Portland's second team, very well supported team as well. Um, I think that for for a, a fan of, of Fresno, they're going to get better quality players. You know, like players that won't be able to make it to. The Whitecaps MLS roster, the young players, probably more, probably exciting players, and per, and perhaps a security too to their status as a USL club because as we've seen, there's there's been a lot of turnover with the you know t- uh, with the team that won NASL. I'm blanking on the name, but and then going they're folding right after they win NASL. San, right? San Francisco, San Francisco, Deltas, yeah. yeah. So I I think it's p- possibly a good thing for for uh, Fresno FC. I think that's the way they're going to sell it to the the fans there that it is good that you're affiliated with uh, an MLS club and you will be able to use their resources. Um they obviously they don't know that the lack of resources Whitecaps have, but they'll be able to use the, <laughs> they'll be able to use their resources for, you know, to make their team better. Yeah, they're probably thinking, "Hey, the money men are here." And it's like, "Yeah, they're in for a very rude awakening." <laughs> and Fresno Fuego, Fuego, I don't know how you pronounce it. They've been a team that's been in in the lower reaches of PDL for a while and very successful. So there are some really good local players down there. Now, one of the other things that happened this week, Freddie Montero seemingly saying goodbye on Facebook. Nothing definite, but I mean, it was hard not to read his message and think that that was a a farewell from him. It was a a very, uh, I don't know, it was very half and half. Kind of like, oh, maybe I'll be back, but... uh, Not a double-double? No, not definitely not a double-double. Uh, but, you know, maybe I'll be back, but, you know, if I'm not back, then, yeah, see you later. <laughs> he seemed open to the possibility, though. He, he he said that in his post that he's still discovering this beautiful city. I don't know if that's just tourism or he's actually trying to get to know Vancouver better. But there's obviously a lot of red tape around this thing with the Chinese club and then um, trying to get him on a DP spot and all that 
we're we're gonna have to see how the Whitecaps roster develops before we see if there's a place for him in that. Um, but I know some people on this podcast who don't name him by name are <laughs> wouldn't be wouldn't be heartbroken if he if he left. Is that right, Zach? Sorry, what? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I've I've said since he came here, literally since he came here, it's hard to see him coming back unless they work out some kind of crazy loan or, as Michael has said often, unless they get him somehow on a free, and that's very unlikely to happen. Unless Break the bank. Someone Break the bank. A, someone eats a lot of money, namely the Chinese team, as they become known. The Chinese club. Chinese yes. club. I, I, I like that no one just mentions him, and we're, we're down to that now. So, I mean, Montero, he could be on his way out. Yeah. Could, could Robbo be on his way out? I mean, he's getting linked with the Wales job this it week. Was, Chris Coleman has left, gone to Sunderland. It was one tweeter. It was he was a reporter though, right? I'm thinking. Yeah. yeah. What a tweeter. Yeah. What a. Tweeter. But I mean, he he's decided to leave a national Mother team tweeter. job to join a team that's at the bottom of the championship. So that that says a lot about like how he was looking at the Wales job or job security or whatever. He's fourth favorite in the betting. And a lot of the Welsh folk are saying they want a Welshman for the job and they don't want Ryan Giggs. And when you look at some of the other ones and who they could afford and stuff like that, Robo could actually be right up there as far-fetched as it might seem. I think he, he's a very good shout for the job, although um, Tony Pulis, who manages West Bromwich Albion, could very well be out of a job, um, even some are saying later this week. Um, he is Welsh, which is surprising to a lot of people. But From the port, like Goldie looking Shane? <laughs> he would be a good candidate. He's very um, pragmatic, is I think the word he would like to think, but um, ugly football, as as we call, call it yes. here. Yes. Yeah. I, I, actually, there is a Goldie looking Shane song about Tony Pulis that I have lined up for a wavelength later in the month. Maybe I should have had that for tonight, but maybe we'll have two wavelengths tonight. I might dig that out later on. But if you look at the the first legs of all the the qualifiers, the playoff matches for the World Cup, they were all nil-nil. Yeah. So, I mean, that obviously, Robo is fantastic no. as an international manager. Well, not that you're in Europe. Well, most of Greece, the first legs were. Yeah, that yeah, was yeah, a Croatia, big, yeah. Yeah. You had the New Zealand-Peru game. You had yeah. Honduras-Australia. Correct. You, you had Republica-Ireland. Sorry, Joe. Wasn't going to bring that up this early in the show, but... Um, so maybe he, maybe he's made for it. And... Chris Coleman is not known as a tactical genius. He's known as a man-manager. And that is what Robo is. I mean, his tactics do let him down, but he does seem to get the best out of the players that he has. Well, Coleman moving on, he was there for a while, right? Like, it wasn't that, like, you know, he just failed for the World Cup and he's gone. You know, he, he also led them to their their highest heights at the at the Euro, right? So they didn't qualify for the World Cup. It's not surprising that he's moving on to something else. Plus, the, the, we all know this, the... The difference between international football and club football is drastic from the from the for the manager, right? Okay. You, these little camps, little stints with players, couple a couple days or maybe yeah. a couple weeks at certain things, at times here and there, as opposed to the day to day grind for like you know nine ten months a year with with your players is a very different beast. So I, I'm assuming Coleman just wanted to get back to to club football. But the Sunderland job is yes is true. one of the worst jobs chalice, out yeah. there. Like manager after manager have said that there's something institutionally wrong with the organization well, and Chris Coleman his stock is so high him and Michael O'Neill for Northern Ireland they could probably probably have gotten a lower Premier League job based yeah. on their reputation the, um, but the thing yeah. is when these coaches their stock is high they want something that everybody's seeing is horrible and they want to turn that team around because then they want to elevate to the next level then on top of that is your countryman Niall Quinn still kind of running Sunderland 
Or I like don't think so. He's on the TV uh, on Satanta Sport oh, okay. a lot back home. I'm not sure if he's still involved with. Uh, I know he brought in Roy Keane as Sunderland manager, right. and that's kind of where it started going badly for <laughs> for Sunderland. Now, now Robbo, uh, obviously, he's linked to Wales. He's not in Wales. He's apparently in Mexico. Is he visiting uh, Brazilian? I think he was at the Monterey Tigres game. Oh, is he? He no, was no, at a game anyway. Okay. Uh, and of course, Camilo is in Mexico. Yes. Queretaro are facing relegation. He's a guy that obviously wants to go where the money is and play at the top level. So would he be willing to come back to MLS? Is he going to replace Freddie Montero? Should we start the Camilo return rumours here tonight? No, because the things there's things that haven't changed. So why would he come back? You mean Bobo? Is it Bobo? I don't know who you're talking about. Are you about. blaming Bobo? Is that a, is that a cartoon? Yeah, my, my new cartoon, Robo, Bobo and the Yobo. It will air at some point once we find a cartoonist. Any cartoonist listening that want to draw Robo, Bobo and the Yobo, get in touch. But, I mean, we, we saw quality guys in the Champions League from Tigris. I mean, obviously, they'll have come and seen how beautiful Vancouver is. A whole Tigris team, I imagine, would want to come here and, and play for a couple of hundred thousand dollars. Maybe, maybe Gignac, the, the French striker for oh, Tigris. Yeah. Is That'd that the same as Gignac? Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> That'd be ideal. That that would be an ideal signing, but I don't see that happening. Yeah, why not just get Messi? It'd be straight, more straightforward. <laughs> well, Cristiano Ronaldo has asked to get released from his Real Madrid contract, and, I mean, this is perfect for him coming over. No, no. I don't think that's happening. Oh, okay. It, it's hard. With the budget that we have, going to watch these top Mexican teams, do you realistically think any of these guys would come to MLS on what we can pay? What can we pay? Like, here's the thing: we're we're totally in the dark of that. Other than we know that, according to MLS player unions, that Freddie Mon, oh, oh. the Colombian, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the guy who's not here anymore, <laughs> is made. I count that as one, a, I, I count that as a win. One point one point eight million this year, right? So if that's the ceiling, uh, I don't know. I don't know if any of those better players in Mexico are were willing to come here for that. Could we see someone, like, could we be, I know this is optimistic, but could we be following more the um, Atlanta United model and looking for a young player who plays in one of those leagues, perhaps to come in and sell him for a lot higher value? Like, Almiron's getting offers, I think that there's some, they've received offers for 20 million from him yeah, from Europe. Yeah, more than that, yeah, yeah, 25, yeah. Yeah, I don't, uh, that's like the searching for the diamond in the rough again, right, a little bit, and I think that's what they're doing, I, but... Um, they had to pay money up front to get Almiron, right? They that has been tried. That was that, that was partly what Octavio Rivera was all about. Yeah, Let's was, spend yeah. some money on someone who's done Debbie a little Flores. bit. And, well, that's different. That was different. But Jordan Smith, that was also different. <laughs> Octavio Rivera. So let's spend some money on someone who's very good. <laughs> Fraser Aird, and their their price tags were not were were not the same as Octavio Rivera. Octavio Rivera was let's invest in a player who's done something in South America. Scored scored some goals, respectable rate. Let's bring him here and see if that relate if that can translate into into this league, and help the club progress, and also provide him an opportunity or a platform to to go to Europe or to go to wherever he wants to go next. And it looks like that obviously didn't work out. He went back and is trying to rebuild his career to get to a place where he can then go do that again. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you somewhere that we are going. We're going to Hawaii. It's the Rim Cup, the Pacific Rim Cup. And it's going to be a fantastic preseason. 
I'm going. Oops. After it pissed down in Wales every single day that I was there in February, I'm going to enjoy the sun. I don't like the sun. I might, I'm might. i a bit of a vampire. I might just go out at night. But the, the White Cats are playing two games in the Rim Cup against Columbus Crew. And then there's two Japanese teams as well. <laughs> I thought there was a Korean the, the, team. No, they're, they're playing one of the Japanese teams. And then if the, winners, the winners play, the losers play. Oh, so there's three games. They no, they, Joe, they only, Joe will tell you who's playing. He they play the two games. There's a J1 league team against Hokkaido Consadole Sapporo, and uh, Fuck You Shima Prefectural <laughs> Football League Division One side Iwaki FC. Um, Consadole Sapporo are 13th in the J League right now, um, which is around mid table. And the other team, uh, <laughs> Iwaki FC, I'm going to call them. They're in the in the sixth division of the um, Japanese football pyramid. Yep, the the Fukushima Prefectural Football League division. Bang on, Michael. Um, they have two Brazilians in the team, one Korean, and the rest are Japanese. And Brazilians are notorious for going to strange leagues to pick up a pick up a contract. And I think that's probably they have two Brazilians probably because the rule the the rules of the league allow them to yeah. have two Brazilians. It'd be interesting to see, like, uh, the difference on how, you know, you go to Wales and you're going through all that weather. As you're playing yeah. under-23 teams. Yeah, and, and now you're going to be playing in – you're going to Hawaii, so it's complete opposite. And does that affect the whatever, you know, how they prepare for the season next Va- year? Vancouver's playing the sixth division team, though, if I'm not mistaken. Right? Yeah, so, I mean, they're, they're guaranteed to get into the final. Against? Probably Columbus. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Or, or Austin, should we call them? Yeah. I don't know. I think they'll still be Columbus by that time. Could be MLS Cup winners, actually, by, by that time. We'll, we'll come to that in a sh- shortly. I'm I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to it. Steve's considering going to it. I asked, I asked I, the wife. I said, hey, I, I've had never had a reason to go to the islands of Hawaii because there's no f- real football to go watch there that I'm aware of. I'm sure there are probably some local whatever, but... I said, so do you? So I was like, do you want to go to Hawaii? And she was like, uh, no, I don't think this is a great time for us to go. I probably won't be going. Probably gonna go back to Ireland next summer for for the sunshine in Ireland. Um, yeah, I, I think it's a good tournament to have. It seems to be organized by a independent uh, company who's probably having this as a showcase. But uh, you know, some sunshine get get the players. You can probably sell that to some new signings. Hey, we're going to Hawaii for uh, for for preseason for a couple of games. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm about fifty fifty right now. Would you Would you bring the whole fam? Yeah, I would have yeah. to. I would have to. <laughs> <laughs> There's no choice in the matter. No, that I was, what, to. Why not just I, I Why was, not just you and Sandy? Uh, I was talking. My kids were playing uh, video games. I was talking to Michael about the Hawaii trip. And they were in front. As soon as I got off the phone with Michael, they were like, "Yeah, we're okay with going to Hawaii." <laughs> so was, yeah, yeah I, I just go with your wife. I, I think I'm, the grandparents. Believe the grandparents me. can the, believe me. The grandparent. Long, the, it's not that. It's the t- long term effects of having to deal with the kids oh. after we come back from Hawaii. Yeah, what? I I want to take predict a pooch, but I'm not sure that I, I probably can. You're taking so. Caitlin. Caitlin's going, right? Oh yeah. And, or uh, is Caitlin taking you? Or how does I, that work? Well, I guess since she earns more money than me, she has <laughs> taken me. So yeah. Um, so looking forward to that. Some other news that came out in MLS this week. The the big story: Caleb Porter is no more. He in MLS. He ha- in Portland. He has left Portland. It is now just land because Porter's gone. I believe that's where the Port Park came from. Was from Caleb Porter. His departure sent shockwaves. It's yeah, sent shockwaves. It leaves Robbo. As the fourth longest serving head coach in MLS. As opposed yeah. to the fifth. Yeah. Peter Vermees, 2009. Ben Olsen, 2010. 
Greg Berhalter, November 2013. Robo didn't get his until December. So, basically joint third. It's kind of crazy, though, to think that, that Robo is, has and, been there that long. And Vermees is uh, being uh, talked about for the U.S. national team job as well. So he could be uh, second by the time this all comes, or joint second. Yeah, it's it's interesting to if I mean, there's articles that say that there's a power struggle. There's articles that say this is him getting ready for the the national team position. You know, there's all kinds of speculation about what's going to happen next. I think two things. One, and this is just per, my perspective, so it might be worth the same as those kind of articles. But uh, one is, yeah, Portland has a structure there. Uh, Gavin Wilkinson has been there. For a very, very long time, not beloved by the supporters. <laughs> That's a reference to him being, he's a Kiwi, right? Yeah, okay. Um, and so, uh, and then Merritt Paulson is um, the opposite of Greg Kerfoot. He's uh, a very. <laughs> hands on, yeah. He's a very. <laughs> like, He's a very hands-on owner, right? So he doesn't just say, oh, yeah, go do your job, whatever. He's, like, in there. He's a part of it, for better, for worse. He's on the Twitter, well, you know, whatever. Yeah. So, so People so, know what he looks like. Yeah. People know, yeah. Well, people know. You can, There's pictures of Greg Kerfoot, which I'm sure he doesn't If you go like. to the dark web. Yeah. No, if, no, there's – anyways. So I, I, the power struggle angle, I could totally, under, I could totally understand. Uh, the aspiration of coaching for the national team, I could also – I could also – I could also totally see that – um, being something in his heart and being being a desire of his. One thing I want to say about Caleb Porter is he gets a lot of negative press. Yeah. Uh, whether it's you know the handshake things or the throwing the Kleenex or the you know whatever or Porter face or whatever you know I don't know these all these different things. He actually is uh, all the guys who've played for him that uh, I've known. So like the Akron guys who've come through here and stuff, and some guys in Portland all speak very very highly of him at, at what he does in his job. And not all players do speak highly of their former coaches um so they all speak very highly and then those couple times especially this year got to hang out with him a little bit mike uh out you know down at the break bread no no there's no breaking of bread but just and you know he, he was yeah he was in good spirits obviously because they won uh top the west but he's he's not the terrible dude i think that everyone tr- always tries to paint well, him as let's move on quickly to the the mls finals i was expecting to talk about them on tonight's show because I did not know they were on Tuesday. Wait, until wait, it's not over yet? The next game. Well, it's, it's over for interest-wise. I think there's just some consolation games going on just now. Seattle clearly are the, the champions after beating the Whitecaps. But I do not... I partly understand why it's not on the Sunday. Because you don't want to maybe clash with NFL... Um, obviously, the Argos Argos Stadium was not available today, <laughs> so that the tenants of TFC couldn't couldn't play there. But why on a Tuesday? And then the second legs next week are also not at the weekend. They're on a Monday and a Tuesday. It's just bizarre. I honestly thought that they were going to be today, and it was only on Friday that I found out that they weren't. It essentially kills the kills. I think it kills the whole momentum of the playoffs. Um, when you have different dates, you're not on the same date, and people don't know. Okay, I'm going to tune in to a Saturday, watch the MLS playoffs, and then move on to next week where I'm going to watch again on Saturday. It, it's weird the way they have it set up. Yeah, the the Premier League has already started up, and that that's back in gear now. And 
I, I was the same as Michael. I thought that today we would be talking about the uh, MLS playoffs, but clearly not. I'd probably a TV thing, like probably some analytics standpoint yeah. to, for that to come from. Maybe give the players a bit of extra rest after the international break. Something, something like that, maybe. Joe, the Premier League doesn't start until 2019. Come on, man. Everyone knows that. I have misspoken horribly, and I apologize. <laughs> I actually saw something this week that said it wasn't going to start until 2020 now. Yeah, there's talk of that, but I think 2019. Hmm. So just before we wrap up this section, quick predictions for you. Who do you think is going to win the East final? Who do you think is going to win the West final? Not who you want to win, because oh. obviously we want it to be Houston against I, Columbus. Yes. But who, we, all, we, all, we can agree on that, right? Yeah. Who, who do you think will, do you agree will on that? win that? I, I want it to be Houston against Columbus, but well, I think it will be um, Seattle against Columbus, because... Uh, TFC are missing Josie and Javinko for the yeah. first leg, and it should be Josie. Josie should be done. He should be. He should be suspended. <laughs> it was so bad. Like actually, a very interesting thing I heard about it was Howard Webb talking about could VAR have been used in the tunnel if the camera had picked it up and all that kind of stuff. Very interesting discussion. Um, but I I think Columbus have a lot on the counterattack. I watched the game that they played in the last round where they where they won four one and were strolling through the defense of uh, of Atlanta or. I forget who it was, but... Uh, Man City Light. Uh, Manchester, Man City Light. NYCFC. And yeah, it was... I think they will have... I think they'll get a good result in the first game and then knuckle down. They're playing for more than the MLS Cup right now. They're playing for a fan base. They're playing for a hurt fan base, which is <clears throat> really good motivation. Yeah, well, I, I, I had Houston in the final from the beginning, so I'm going to stick with them. And I think actually Columbus can be TFC, so I'm going for the yellow versus orange. I think that bracket thing I had Toronto playing Portland. Yeah. Uh, I, I definitely want to see Columbus win. I, I do think Columbus can do this, uh, especially, like you said, by dominating the first leg, yeah. by getting it done in the first leg. That's, that's first, an, that's an idea, right? Crucial. You can do that, right? You can get it done in the first I leg? I believe that is allowed. That's, a, that's like an option? Yeah. Okay. So I think if they take that option, <laughs> I think they, they, could, they could get past Toronto. But Toronto is an uh, incredibly quality, incredibly deep club, as much as it might hurt people, especially in this room, to say that. Um, yeah, but uh, so I think Toronto will prevail, and I think there's unfortunately I think it's going to be a repeat. Yeah, I think it's going to be Seattle, Toronto as well. Hopefully, we're all wrong with that. Hopefully, I'm right. Well, yeah, the MLS are probably the last thing they're wanting is probably Houston against Columbus. So let's hope it's that. Yeah, uh, we'll be back with more chat and a surprise caller after this. Hi, I'm Carl Robinson. Uh, you're listening to the AFTN podcast. We have a special guest joining us on the phone now, AFTN writer extraordinaire, Jay Duke, joining us for the second part of the show, which is a Whitecaps roundtable discussion and some awards that we're going to have in parts three and four. So thank you for joining us tonight, Jay. Well, thank you for having me, guys. You at the mansion? Uh, Yeah, well, just with uh, all those um, beautiful men stuffed in that little room there, I figured (laughs) perhaps I could uh, bow out tonight and just... uh, Hang out in my own house. Yeah, it's it's probably for the best. It does get quite hot in here. Clothes do come off at, at some point. Yeah, you're missing the bikini shoot because we're doing the first part of that tonight. Second part is going to be in Hawaii, so you're just going to have to come down to Hawaii with us. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I'll get right on that. Book my flight. Yeah, I'll I'll be paying for the whole AFTN team to to be going down there. As sure, yeah. soon as we get a sponsor, so anyone that's listening to the show that want to sponsor our whole crew to go down to that. Fantastic. Maybe the Whitecaps will fly us down. They did fly a lot of media down for the last game of the season in Portland. 
I had to, to go off my own bat, but they flew all these media guys down, none of whom went after the game to ask any questions. Uh, they went for a nice free sojourn, so maybe they're saving the money to send us to Hawaii. That would be nice. Were you ta- you're talking about Vancouver Whitecaps? Yeah. Okay. Anyway, this second part of the show it is a Whitecaps roundtable discussion. And we're going to look over some things which we haven't talked too much about in the last couple of weeks. Just because we've got some new voices in Jay and Joe tonight. You don't have to begin with the letter J to be on this show. Um, we have recommended that Gideon change his name to Gideon. And then as soon as he does that, he will be allowed back on. But... First thing we're going to look at is what do you feel was the the biggest issue for the Caps this year? Was it tactics, injuries, just not enough difference makers there, players not raising their game enough? Um, I don't know, taking too long to to realise who the best players in the squad were. There's so many things, but for you, Jay, what do you put down... I was going to say the failure, but again, that's arguable as to whether this season was a failure or not. But what do you feel the biggest issue for the Whitecaps was this year? Well, what I think Robinson did well this year is that he he did bring in some depth. Um, Unfortunately, it seems that 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 depth uh, was a lot of times at positions which weren't that critical uh, game-changing type player. Because what and what ended up happening is that um, because of that, I think his his tactics were were a little bit to blame here. So I'm kind of going to say tactics in a roundabout way here, and the reason that I say that is just because the problem that we had last time in the playoffs against Portland was that once Mane went down, we had no options, we had no way to attack anymore. We were completely devoid of any other ideas, and here we are. Um, the same situation again. We were supposed to have all this depth. We were supposed to. Ha- we brought in all these players, including all these players, you know, in the at, at the summer transfer window, which is you know a, a bit of a departure. Uh, and the same thing happened. Reina seems to be nursing some sort of injury. He gets shut down, and suddenly the Whitecaps are com- completely devoid again of any ideas going forward. So, for me, it's got to be the tactics. Uh, I, I do agree that the tactics weren't spot on. Um, but in, in general, just for me, just really quickly, I, I feel like the, the, like the difference makers, the designated players they brought in, you had one that didn't start, um, one who really didn't really contribute much to the attack. And so all you had was Montero as the, as the guy and he's a scorer. So he, he's not really going to raise anybody's game. Um, so I think they, they need to figure out. The, where they want to spend their money and the positions they want to spend their money, they need guys that can elevate other players' games because the other players around are going to be lower paid. They're not going to be in the same class. So the players they bring in in the de- designated player spots have to be able to raise the, the 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 quality of everybody else. And that's what you I see. Totally, in game, I, you see that in Seattle, Portland, and everywhere else. That's you're you're bang on there, Steve. But um, the Whitecaps issue this year wasn't that. Um, you know, their their best players that they didn't have the players to compete against someone like Seattle, like like they they could have competed against Seattle, and and they just continued to choose a negative style and fail to be able to capitalize under you know any circumstances it seemed. Um, so yeah, well, uh, well I I, do, I totally agree with you. Our, our the designated players are not good enough. 
um, except for perhaps Montero. But but in the end, even with you know with the players that we have, we should have been able to compete more better. I, th- I think um, even just to expand on that, the difference makers like we we brought in Gazelle, who was a, I think is a fantastic signing. I think he will be the core of the midfield next year. Montero, if he comes back, that would be great. I think we saw a lot from him. Um, but the, I think the biggest issue for the Whitecaps this season um, <clears throat> are one are kind of linked together. There's two of them. Um, the wingers who the who were our best wingers we had no idea we thought davies was going to have a, a another kind of solid season he was very disappointing in the second half breck shea kind of divides opinion the moment he steps onto the field you know kristen tachera we've seen we've seen some very good things from him over the past few years but this season probably wasn't his best bolanos makes you tear your hair out sometimes with the decisions that he makes or the extra touch that he has and that means that um, Montero didn't have the support that he probably should have had if he was going to be that difference maker. And th- the tactics, too, was a different thing. Um, I think the fans took a long time to accept that we play this defensive soccer, and that kind of caused a schism in the in the fan base as well, the fact that we play ugly to try and nick a result on the road. Uh, for, for me, and you kind of guys already kind of touched on this, for me, it, it, you have to look at the squad composition, and I probably say this every year, um, but even more so this year with Tam playing such a key role in squad building is that we have two Tam-level players at best, and I, I think we'd all question whether or not Breck Shea is even a Tam-level player because I don't think he had a Tam-level player contribution this year, and Matthias Laba, who has made significant contributions over the years, but both of them as designated players, and they should not have been designated players. And we know from what we've been told about how things work at the football club that the responsibility or the signing off on those things, the people uh, who make those budgets for those things, are the football committee. And they are the ones who are responsible. Carl Robinson has gone on record saying, I spent all the money I was allowed to spend on players. They are the ones who are responsible for not, uh, not, not having the difference makers we should have had in, in the squad. That's the prime. That's that when people want to focus their anger or frustration or hurt or whatever. That needs to be the the initial place because that's the foundation for the for the the team, the squad. That's the foundation for the season. And when you don't get that right, you can't expect to build a mansion like one Jay's living in right now. But but so, so so that's the number one thing. Then you can have the discussion about how do we play and and have the discussion about the the seemingly positive style of football uh, you know versus the seemingly you know michael style of i don't care let's just win well if they hadn't made the playoffs i would have said injuries was one of the key things but the fact that they overcame that and they had the slow start to the year which robo admitted was because he was focusing on the champions league ultimately any failure this season, I know that you would point to Cascadia Cup and, and Voyager's Cup, but ultimately it is the, the playoffs was the big, big failure. And that's nothing to do with injuries. That was all down to tactics for me. Um, it's not so much the defensive tactics, which I, I'm, I can live with. It's, I've seen so much crap football over the years. I'm totally fine with that. It's the fact that Robbo is so rigid with it and he doesn't seem to be able to change on the fly or have the players available that are able to change on the fly. So when you do go one down in Seattle and all of a sudden you need a little bit of urgency, they can't flick that switch because it's been ingrained in them the whole season how to play. So even that, though, that is partly the players not not partly not partly executing, right? 
the players on the field weren't able to say, oh, yeah, we have to score a goal now, right? I, okay, we, the, yeah, the argument made about what was told to them and from, you know, from the, the pregame and halftime talks and during the game, was the flipped supposed to be switched at what time? We can yeah. argue about the time. I know five the, minutes. I know the last five minute thing. I know that, that there, it looks it looks like that. We don't know if that's the, the I haven't asked any of the guys I, I yet. I will ask Robo when we have our end yes, of season totally. state of the white that, that's chat. Wor- that's worth asking, but it, the the players also didn't weren't able to weren't able to execute the plan or the comeback scenario plan either, right? So they have to take some responsibility. Well, let me let me just move on a little bit then. So, Robo's scouting for new players just now. Do you feel that with the budget available, that Robo will finally get the right players for his system? Did he have the right players this year for his system? And if the kind of budget or what he's looking for or where he's going, if that is not providing the right players, is it not up to Robbo then, Jay, to, to change the way that he, he plays? And if he can't, you need to get a, a new coach in there. Well, I mean, that's really the, the question. And I, in my opinion, Robbo is on a very short leash because he's had his time. This is his team. There's no question about it. So, So if what you're saying is, well, we just don't have the the players here to compete. Um, th- that's that's on him at this point as well. H- how many defensive midfielders do we have on, on the club? You know, on, on the how much of our salary is wrapped up? You know, so y- you can't tell me that that um, Robinson doesn't. Um, have to take some of the blame for that. And when when Rain is shut down and the rest of the team has no idea how to go out and flip the switch, like you said, um, for certain that that's you know that's partly partially what he has to take some blame for. Now, is he going to be able to go out this year and and find some more players? That's a really good question, and that goes beyond Robinson. Because as, as good as he's been at, in some areas, it, I agree with Zach that in the end, if he isn't unshackled with salaries like Breck Shea has and, and Matthias Laba have, uh, and, and they're not willing to say, hey, we're going to buy this guy out. I know it's going to cost us some money, but it's going to make us a more competitive squad. There's not a lot that that Robinson can do. He's still always going to be fighting to have those real top quality players. Well, the good news about those both those players you mentioned, Jay, the the two players who are DPS who arguably should not be, I, they don't have to buy them out because their their deals are either done or they only right. have options this, left this year. But I, I was talking even like oh like last year, yeah, earlier yeah. last last year, they you know those could have been options or they could have bought them down with Cam or or what have you earlier um, and chose not to, and then use some of that TAM money to bring in an, an Ali Gazal and a Nosa Igabor, who might be good players, but, I mean, they're both more defensive midfield. But that's the, that's the thing. One, I don't think there was TAM to do that. And two, I think it was we need to have – we need to make it look like we're using all three DP spots, right? But that's the that, – For sure. And that's where, that's where the lack of ambition from the club as a whole – shines through. That's where the lack of ambition from the ownership shines through. For all the amazing things they've done, all the positive things they've done, all the investing they've done in infrastructure and uh, and trying to trying to build a football club in the traditional sense, 
things like this is you know one of the shining examples of where they they've fallen flat. But, but Michael, I'm going to kind of turn this around on, on you then because what like what are we? What is Robinson's vision then? Because he kind of has recruited for the type of team that he wants. He wants it, it, unless. You know, unless something's gone really wrong, he, this is exactly what he wants: a defensively stout team that can that can uh, hit you on the counter attack occasionally. Although we didn't, we even saw that kind of die towards the end of this year, and and, and that's about it. Maybe sneak one on on the set piece. So, you know, what is he going to do? Get um, you know a taller left back? Yeah, I mean, it is a very valid point. If you look at the players he brought in, in theory it was to, to play the system. I'm just not sure. Like Having a player like Belanius, I don't feel he is a guy that can play that system because he's not used to defending so much. And Breck Shea, for all his faults, and forget what he earned and everything like that, at least he can play defensively. So, I mean, you did bring him in and they got rid of someone like Kakuta who can't do that. So... I, I mean, I was just throwing that question out there, but I, I feel he had a lot of the players that should, in theory, have been able to do it. But then, when he does need to flick the switch, those players aren't capable of playing in a different way. So basically, there's a lack of uh, versatility amongst the players he's bringing in. And yeah, I, I, I agree with that. And they, they need to like get players that can play multiple positions well. And uh, especially if he wants to change tactics in the middle or even go from game to game because well, everybody remembers the RSL game and how horrible that went for everybody for the team. It was snow or no snow. I think you also have to look at Robo's track record for bringing players in, right? Um, since like all the way back to Mosquito and like Fernandez on loan, like two good players, but that was back when they were playing the Pedro Morales brand of, uh, of Whitecap soccer. Now it's more defensive. Like, do I have faith in Robbo to find someone that would fit the system? Yes. Do I think the Caps will spend the money to find to get the player? No. That's that's the harsh reality. Like, I, but I think this team is it's just screaming for some offensive quality. Jay was saying we have these great defensive midfielders. We do we need a taller left back or something like that? That's a that's a defensive discussion. Defensively, we're very good. The Caps are one of the best teams in the league at scrambling in the box, right? Throwing yeah. your body in front of the ball. But they're off, number one actually. There was somebody put out a stat there. I can't remember what the stat was, but it put, basically said that they were really good at defending inside the box on was scrambles. It, was it amount of heart attacks for a fan per game? Uh, probably or something, something like, like that. that yeah. Because it, like we're such a defensive team to watch. I watch Ireland a lot, so I, I'm used to this feeling. But I feel bad for the rest of you guys because like Waston throwing himself or, or Parker on the like lying down on the goal line or something like that. Yeah. But uh, the, the point is, offensive quality. You know, he brought in Rivero, didn't really work out. Um, he he had a big part in developing Kakuta Mane, didn't really work out. Is it going to be more along the same line, or do we bring in someone who's so experienced that he's the finished article? But for that, you have to pay money, right? Exactly. Um, it's it's kind of complicated, and until the the shekels of the finance financial things are are thrown away, it it will be a hit or miss kind of a thing. The shekels or the shackles? Shackles. <laughs> shekels. Shackles. Shackles are money. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some of that. <laughs> um, and shekels would would be yeah. important in bringing in new players as well. Um, with the large amount of turnover that everybody's expecting, do you think that's going to hurt the squad at the start of the season? Or do you think the, you know, will the starting 11 kind of remain the same and then they're just going to kind of in- introduce players into there? I-, I forecast like drastic changes. Like, 
I don't like using the the term rebuild. Uh, I think that's overused in the sport, the sports landscape. I think but, it's a retool. Well, no, I think very better I, for I, this for this venture they're doing. No, like usually in M- in MLS you expect eight to ten new players with because of the draft and whatever all that kind of stuff, all the mechanisms, whatever. I don't we, we don't have time to talk about them all because there's so many, but. I would be shocked if there's less than like 12 to 14 players that are gone and new players brought in. That would be pretty huge. The draft is something I actually forgot about because Whitecaps have done really well in the draft in, in the past. Well, it feels like they did really well because of Jake and because of Tim, but they've yeah. also had other players of, other players of, who were okay and other, yeah. a bunch of players who were not great. I, I actually, I'm, I'm writing something right now about how teams do in the draft and how the players that they pick actually play for the team that drafts them and things like that and whitecaps are like above average in that in that metric for like minutes played it, by people that you have actually drafted yeah it's a, it's a lottery really uh, to draft itself uh, but jay uh, your your i you know your thoughts on you know will the turnover hurt the team at the beginning and you know do will the fans even have patience for that if it, if it, is, it does come to that point i i don't i don't think the the casual fan cares necessarily um, beyond one or two of their favorite players, who the contingency, uh, a continuity, sorry, of the team going into next year, and and there's there's always so much roster turnover. I don't think it'll have that much of an effect compared to the to the rest of the the team. They're going to have a full preseason. Hopefully, hopefully we don't have an issue with Reina. Uh, like this year where he gets injured in preseason and, and you're always trying to play catch-up with injuries and that kind of thing. Uh, and and the, what I do think is the silver lining here of all this turnover is that it appears that there's a actually pretty decent spine of players um, in in Marinovic, in Waston, in Parker, in Nosa, and Ali Gazal. That, that appears to be a, a pretty quality beginning to your spine. Uh, and with, of course, Reina above that. So unless those players, you would think, would will all be back next season. Everybody else, it's kind of up in the air. I agree with you, Zach, that there could be some major changes um, and a major overhaul on the front end of the squad. But I don't think there'd be a lot of people who would complain too much about that. Uh, other than, obviously, a lot of people would like to see Montero back, maybe not Zach. But um, beyond Montero, I don't think anyone will cry too much if Abini, Mesquita, Bolanios, and Shea are all shipped out. Yeah, I mean, really, for me, apart from Waston and Parker, if all the other players left, I wouldn't really be up, up nor down. But we don't have to worry about Reina pre-season this year because they're going to Hawaii and it's always sunny there. No Reina at all. That's why you got up. Oh, yeah. uh, just a public service announcement or request. If anyone from the sports sciences or medical field uh, here at UBC is listening, uh, if you could come in, Joe. Joe's just come off playing a game, and I think he's experiencing some cramping in his calves. We could use some uh, help. It wouldn't be so bad if the rain wasn't like like icicles coming down in, in the weather today. And not to mention, easily the worst referee I have ever played <laughs> under. I, I'm not going to get into it. Which pro good. referee did you have? I, it, was, it was Stott, I think. <laughs> <laughs> and he's not the worst. Yeah. So just before we wrap this section up, Steve kind of touched on it there. Do you feel, Zach, that the fans will be patient if, it, if there's a, a slow start to the season? Or does it not matter? Like, apart from the hardcore... 
Like, as Jay said, the casuals aren't going to care. So if there's a slow start, they're just there for the entertainment. Well, there's two things. One is if there's a slow start, then I think you won't get as many casual fans coming to games. If we can use that term, I'm not sure I'm a fan of that term. But in terms of the more, you know, people who have, you know, season ticket holders or whatever, I think a slow start and there will be more of an uproar against Robbo. Right, I think I think they'll be like, look, he's had four years, and it's not going well here in year five. And I think they'll, you know, they'll 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 want to see a change in that area. I think Jay and Michael are, are right. The core is the core. I, I would add Gazelle personally into that list that you guys made earlier. Um, Montero's on loan, so he doesn't really count. But anyone else who moves on, I don't think there'll be m- many tiers. And but it also depends on who they replace them with, right? That's the big key, yeah, for sure. And we'll be back with some more chat. After this. Hi, I'm Carl Valentine. You're listening to the AFTN podcast. Dramatic music can only mean one thing. It's time for the 2017 AFTN End of Season Award Ceremony. We have our girls and we have our statuettes. We have Girls and boys. Girls and boys, yep. Appealing to everyone. Dalton Castle style. Just throw a quick wrestling reference in there for Zach. Don't do that for Zach. We've got our, our envelopes that we're ready to open. It's all set. It's awards time. It's very exciting. We're, we're going to do this in the next two parts. Some of the, the categories that we do for the end of season awards, in the past, I've just kind of done it all myself. Uh, some I throw open to the team to vote on. So I've thrown a few more open this year. And the five of us are, are going to be the guys that, that decide these. There's going to be some others that I will kind of do myself as well. But the, the first one that, that we'll kick off with... and. We kind of touched on this ourselves at Number the end times. of the season, yeah. yeah but uh, I, w- I want to get kind of get Joe and Jay's thoughts on this as well. We're going to start with MLS Player of the Year, Whitecaps MLS Player of the Year, and I'm going to throw that over to to Jay first. Who is your Whitecaps Player of the Year at MLS level, Jay? Well, I'm going to kind of pick the easy one off the board first, so that uh, Joe can't take it from me, and that's Kendall Waston. Um, Damn it. I was really impressed that, you know, we talked about it before the season came in that, you know, he had a bit of an off year last year. And um, we even mused that he maybe named the club captain coming into this year, which he was. And boy, did he uh, respond in a positive manner. He kept his discipline on track. He led the back line, which, you know, over the whole year, they were a pretty good defensive team. And it really showed when he wasn't there. When he was on on international duties, it was extremely noticeable. So as far as impact on the pitch, and and off it for that matter, Kendall Waston for me has to be the guy that gets the uh, MVP for the year. Um, I'm going to go for Eric Herta. No, uh, Kendall Waston as well. Um, yeah, definitely the, the easy choice. Like We were talking about difference makers, and he, he's been a difference maker all season long. Like, very strong, really disciplined. No red cards in the regular season this year. Seven yellows. 
um, which isn't, isn't too bad. 37 fouls. Like, that's not what you think of when you think of classic Waston. You think of no, I, I want more, personally. <laughs> well, it brings some spice to the game, but that was something we criticized him for before. Like nonstop, Disco would have a field day every time he he got close to he got close to one of their big players. So, uh, just as far as being a, dis- a, a difference maker, I'm going to go for Kendall Waston. Yeah, I'm going to make it three out of three, Kendall Waston. Um, I know other players. Freddie Montero had 15 goals. Jordi Reyna kind of changed the whole attack and the way it looked uh, when he once he came on. But for overall season, the way he was able to clear the ball, the goals he scored when he with timely goals. Um, I, yeah, I think it's it's a kind of clear, obvious one to kind of Watson. So, Joe, you're saving Eric Hurtado for goal of the year for that Kansas City goal? Okay, cool. Yeah, uh, for me, it's Poppy, man. Uh, Kendall. That would be. Kendall Watson, man. Uh, we don't know your pet names for the players. you got to give for three. Well, we, we, we know his pet name for Freddie Montero. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm also going to go with Special K. That's, I, I just give him a, a name as okay, well. Okay, you can't use that term, though. Do you know why? No, because it's a bad series. No, seriously, seriously. I when I was co- I was a coach coaching high school students. Yeah, it was the the school's girls team or whatever. And there was a girl. Her last name was started with a K. And actually, no, it, both her her first and last name both started. So I was like, hey, special, I call it special K. And like all the students are giggling and like, whatever. Next time I called it her again, again. There's some strength. So I I just pulled her. So I said, do you not like me use, calling you that? Like I don't want to offend you. Or she's like, no, special K is just like a drug. Yeah. So it's oh, also okay. a cereal. I know, but I, I know it's a drug, but oh. it's also our, it's also my special name for, for... Oh, have you told him that? No, next time I see him, I'll call him Special K. Okay. Bobble and Special K. <laughs> Building these up slowly. Can you video the Bobble one? I like the Sure, I, I we're, actually... We're thinking about animating it. I, I had two people message me during the week. I, I won't say who they were. <laughs> one of them is in the media, who said he literally burst out laughing when I said Bobble last week. So I can imagine. We're, we're going to keep that going. It, it is now Bobble. I think I think his reaction might be similar to... But like, Are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> Are you really calling me that? <laughs> so, unanimous for Special K, Kendall Waston, yeah. Pappy, Poppy, whatever you want to call him. Pappy. Young Player of the Year. Now, this can be MLS or USL. You could even... No, we won't go residency because I've got a separate category for that. So, like, Young Player of the Year, MLS or USL. Again, we'll start with Jay. You you didn't uh, you didn't tell me what a young player was. So this is what what's the category? What, Anyone that's younger than me. So that's pretty much the whole squad. <laughs> I, I think we could go U twenty three and younger. That, I'd I'd say twenty five or under. you're younger than Mauro Rosales. Right. Here's what I'm what I'm gonna go with. Just just to be a little bit different, I'm gonna give it to Jake Nowinski because he came into what was uh, not a situation where he was expected to excel. And uh, he was actually thrust into that position, especially after Shannon had his, uh, his, his issues and was no longer available for selection. And he took, the, took that position. And it, now Robinson can come into this season knowing that he has a very capable right back um, that, that – it, not not just that he was defensively capable, you know he definitely needs to grow a little bit there. But uh, you know what, what was it? Five assists on the season, one of the most consistent threats from from the wing for us. Uh, did a great job. Never looked out of place. He's got can can run all day. So 
Um, mostly because of a surprise. That's why I'm giving him my young player of the year. You know, we're not we're not, not that young. Jay, we're not playing thirty seconds of Mars. You don't have to hit every. <laughs> hey, Joe, who's who your who's your choice? Uh, it's it's Jake it's Jake Nerwinski. Um, yeah, I remember when I watched his highlights after we drafted him, and you know he's this like college soccer player that gets forward and gets into the box and like lays the ball back to one of the strikers and I thought oh that's great but you know at MLS he's he's not going to be able to do that but like not for a few years at least but he really pleasantly surprised me you know got got that got that uh, starting spot towards the end of the season I think his biggest contribution was when he got injured and uh, he he like really should have given away a penalty, but even with VAR being used, did not give away for penalty for one of the most blatant fouls I've ever seen. Yeah, that that was a I I've been really happy with him. Like right back was our problem position last season, and now it is no longer a problem because a large part of that is because of Jake Nowinski. I have uh, like I, I guarantee Jake Nowinski's the guy, but if I were gonna go to USL, no. since everybody's talking about Jake oh, Nowinski, steal mine. I'm gonna go David Norman oh. Jr. The guy can really get in there. He's just uh, he, he just destroys people. And he's he, he you're talking about Kendall Waston delivering tackles. This guy can deliver yeah. tackles, and he will be sent off regularly when he does play in MLS eventually. <laughs> not regularly. Oh well, not regularly, I, but here with here and there. I was gonna I was gonna go with the same Steve David. Norman. I'll let you expand on David it. Norman the sixth. Uh, definitely gets my. <laughs> Uh, my my vote. Uh, I agree with you. He's I a thought gr- it was the fifth. No, he's the sixth. That's the number that they know of. Oh, um, but <laughs> well, because they, they don't have the records going on. Oh, yeah. I I I just thought he's been away abroad a lot. So. <laughs> that was what I believe they call offside. But um, so uh, no, yeah, just the way he you know he came through the residency. Obviously, went away to to college for a year. Did well there. Uh, and then said, no, now is the time for me to, you know, make the breakthrough uh, into the USL team and did a, a really good job. Well, didn't play every minute at the beginning of the year, continued to work hard, fought, got his place in the team and contributed in, in significant ways, I think, to the WFC two season, including scoring in the the last game there at, at, at Thunderbird and uh, with great expectation for him to join the, I think, join the MLS squad, hopefully, maybe, maybe as early as this offseason. Yeah, I, I think that's a, a guaranteed certainty. I'm I'm going to go with Jake Nerwinski, so we'll we'll give him the title. I will make Davy Norman our WFC two player of the year because he definitely deserves it. He was fantastic. He he struggled the first couple of games, then really came into his own. And the the transition from residency to college and college to that happened very quickly for him. So he was finding his feet in those first few games, and, and he was great. But Nerwinski. As as Jay and Joe said, he's come in. I mean, we're, we're talking about right backs not an issue anymore. Ha, has anyone actually heard how his injury was? No, I but, asked that a couple of shows ago. Yeah, yeah, because they've kept very quiet on that. So if it is a long term injury, we do have a problem at right back. Or if he goes down injured, we have a problem at right back. It's not a long term. I can't see Williams. <laughs> well, I don't know because yeah. Lab is out until April. That was a knee, like there's surgery involved. I don't yeah, think I know they never announced any ha- surgery. It looks like this is hamstring. Yeah. So, and Will- Williams is out of contract, right? Yes, yeah. out of contract, or he's just gone. No, well, he's well, he's of- on a road trip with Tim Parker just oh. now. They're they're heading back east. But he's out of. This is the last year of his MLS deal. Yeah, yeah. So Jake Nobrinsky is going to get my vote, but I he's not the finished article, and it's a lot of pressure to put on the lad for next year that he's going to be the starter because he's just an injury away or he's a sophomore slump away. 
for the Whitecaps being in trouble. But for this year, coming in, showing that kind of play, I, I just think it's fantastic. Now we're going to move on now to game of the season, which can be any Whitecaps game in any competition. And because of the daggers I got from going to Jay first again from Joe, and it's like I, these Irish can be trouble. So I'm going to let Joe go first this time. What is your game of the season? I will go for the 5-0 win against San Jose in the first round of the playoffs. Like the football we've all been hoping for. That we got it once this season. That was that was good enough for me. It was a great game. I know San Jose were pushing for that goal to because it was the playoffs. It was one and done. They want they needed to get back on on level terms, but just the attacking in that game really it was really great and I think the home that really gave the home fans some momentum. Robbo didn't take advantage of that in the next round, but I think that was the game of the season for me. But we'll go to Zach next. I am going to say, uh, I'm going to choose a game that was enjoyable on multiple levels. I think the football was was good. Um, there was, for me, one memorable goal. It was a good night in the stands, uh, and that it, and it was significant in the history of the football club. I believe it was the win against Dead Bull in the Concacaf Champions League. Jay, your thoughts. Uh, for me, I like this. We're all choosing different games here. For me, I'm picking the New York City home match of a 3-2 win. It's always got a little pizzazz when a team like New York City comes, and it didn't disappoint. The 2-2, and then in, I think it was the 88th minute, uh, Jordi Reyna with that diving header on a, on a cross from Jake Nowinski. Um, that that sealed it, and everybody in the crowd went went nuts. And it really was a point in the season where Reina had that was his, I believe, his either his first match or his first home match. I think first home match, and uh, so it really, really got everybody excited about about Reina and and what could be for the rest of the season. So that's the game I picked. For me, um, it was uh, one in that general time frame. I think it was uh, the one Atlanta. Um, I think it was 3-1 it ended up. Um, I like that game because everybody had been pumping up Atlanta for so much, and uh, especially <laughs> the, the Whitecaps. Um, <laughs> so it was – and, and, and all, honestly, the whole year, everybody was going, oh, Atlanta. Even though, other than the Whitecaps, everybody was you know pumping up Atlanta, and it was just good to see the Whitecaps actually just drown them out. They were so frustrated by the end of the game, the Atlanta players – it was just, yeah. When someone gives you $150 million. <laughs> you got to pump them up. You got to advertise. Yeah. Michael? Oh, see, I'm torn now because I have the deciding vote. And I was heading into this San Jose in the playoffs, but I'd forgotten about that New York City game that Jay mentioned. So, oh, that's, that's almost worn me around just hearing about that game again. I'm going to go... I'm going to go with that New York City game because I think we we did expect a comfortable win over San Jose in the playoffs and that New York City game, it just had everything and it had the goals, the excitement, the last ditch win and five goals in both games. But I'm, I'm going to go with that 3-2. So Jay, you swung me over and we're going to make that our game of the season. So thanks. Congratulations, Jay. Can I get my candy bar now? Yeah, we're not playing thirty seconds of Mars. We, we will deliver. Oh, I have a fun size Mars bar in my pants. I will get that to you, um, and enjoy it. So now, can I just say it's nice to be joined in, in studio by someone who has a similar reaction to much of the humor that takes place from you, Michael? Well, Joe is going to be coming from a same humor background from me, and 
The inappro- no, but his response is the, the same the inap- as mine. The inappropriate comments that I make that folk have no idea what I'm talking about here uh, can I, set folk off. I'm just used to it, so that's why it doesn't affect me as much. Oh, my poor wife. <laughs> she doesn't understand me. Wait, you just I, told us she makes more than you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Jamaica. Yeah, like when folks say my wife doesn't understand me, that's true in my case. She just has no idea what I'm talking about most of the time. See, Michael's going out of his way to make me feel at home, which is something I really appreciate. Yeah, because he loves his fun-sized Mars bars. They're very big in the UK. It's the cold weather. So, moving on now to save of the year. Now, not everyone has to vote in all the categories, so I've got some early votes in from some of you, so I won't be going around everyone for every category. I'm struggling with this one, so I'm going to... Does anyone have one that they want to kick this off with? I will kick it off. Um, I'm just trying to figure out the, the when it happened. Um, it was a David Elstead save against Colorado where the Colorado player basically, uh, David was kind of out of position, but the ball was getting knocked around in the box. They they, not, they lobbed the ball over David. It went, hit the post, was heading into the net. He came back around and just swiped the ball off the line. Um, I thought that was a pretty huge save at that point. And obviously uh, they won the game and it was 0-0 at the time. So they won the game. I thought that was a huge one. I think an- another Usted save... Uh, that caught my eye was it was against New England uh, I had to go back and look at which Whitecaps uh, saves got nominated for save of the week to actually pick one because like like this season we remember that a while ago there was the save and that's in quotation marks where like the Whitecaps basically made a mini documentary about the save that Usted made and yeah. like really blew it up there wasn't one of those this season well there were a lot of you know here and there saves no, mm-hmm. yeah, no, no like massive save or anything yeah, like, nothing that stood out nothing that stood out right we're having trouble remembering so yeah. I'm going to go for the one it was a very solid save it was outside of the box against New England he got a really strong hand to it and really pushed it away um, we like Marinovich should have done in in one of the in in one of the shots that fired. Instant. Shots fired. <laughs> um, yeah, that's my save of the season. I again, I'm torn between Spencer Ritchie's fantastic save that was nominated for save of the week and one save of the week because his mum got everyone. Oh right, <laughs> the one where he said, "I think the other guy should have won." Yeah. <laughs> um, or Marinovich's one against San Jose in the MLS game. That was heading for the top oh, corner yeah. oh, and would have given cool. San Jose the win. And then he managed to tip that round. So that does not give us a clear winner. So we, I will revisit that and then I'll look at them all and then make my own decision. Or I'll throw it out to the rest of the team and we'll see what they can come well, what up did, with. Does Jay have any opinion on those three that were mentioned? Yeah. Any any other one, Jay, that you... Any of those that stand out for you? Uh, you know what? If you want a tiebreaker, of those that were mentioned... Uh, I'm with Michael on on the Marinovich save. Um, just for the time timing of the game and the, the get in. Uh, <laughs> Michael Michael had a celebration there, like yeah, like David Osted yeah. after a big save. Actually, I'm very <laughs> fond well, of Stefan. He, he, he scratched my back on the uh, on the last segment, so now I'm scratching his back. So yeah, uh, this sounds like FIFA all over again. <laughs> An envelope full of fun size Mars bars. <laughs> there's not, there's someone coming to the door. The FBI have come in. <laughs> this rigging. Yeah, so I'll, I would uh, of those nominated. I, I suppose if I was the tiebreaker, I'd give it to the Marinovich save. Excellent. So we're going to go with that. Now the final award for this section is goal of the year, and we're going to go. Let's see. Let's start with. Well, I'll, I'll go with the first because I announced mine last week. Okay, it yeah. was Jordi Reyna against oh, yes. Houston. Okay, uh, great top of the line shot. That I've talked about enough. You guys, go ahead. Let, let's go with Jay this time. For me, and it. it uh, 
both of my candidates for this would be um, Nicholas Mesquita goals. Uh, partially because I just love the guy. It's hard not to cheer for him. You know, he, he, he may not be the most technically gifted on the team, but he never complains. He goes out there and he works hard every moment that he gets an opportunity to do so. Um, and he had two crackers this year. There was the bike, the bicycle kick, which was pretty phenomenal. Yeah. I love uh, a bicycle kick. And then, uh, uh, the second one now, and now that I'm thinking of it, I might not have been Mosquito, but, uh, so help me out with this one guys. But the, it was a Norinsky cross to Bolaños and he chested it down. That's the chair. wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. One Uruguayan or the other. They're very similar. That's one petite. Southern American or the other, who knows? Um, but also, my vote's going to be for that Tachera goal. And I know it might not have been, uh, you know, the most uh, sports center ready goal, but the way how well that goal was worked, the the perfect cross from Nerwinski, the yeah. the heady chest down from from uh, Bolanos to play it right into where Tachera was coming, and and he just took that. First time hammering it home, it was a beauty. So Jay, that's, Jay, that's a little bit of revisionist history because it was actually Shane and Williams who crossed the ball across, yeah, across the box, so, and and the cross to me was actually speculative. But look to Jay, it was Nerwinski to to Mbiskira. FIFA again, FBI calling FBI. That was a beautiful goal, I think. Zach, your your goal. It was a beautiful goal for the setup off the chest, and then the other volley. I'm going to go with. like I mentioned before, I'm going to go with Eric Hurtado away to Sporting Kansas City. I think the poor cameraman at that stadium not actually taking any proper angles of the goal, I think, take away from the the quality of it. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to go with Eric Hurtado. Cool. Jay? Uh, for me, it was... Did you just it, call him Jay? I, I was trying to... I, I, Jack, I was all confused. He was going everybody's Jay. He was going Jake, for the first Jay. first letter in my name. Yeah. So it's He's all no good. good with names. <laughs> no. um, for me, it came down to two. The Hurtado goal and the Reina goal. Um, although I got, just got reminded of that great Tachera goal. I really liked it as well. But um, the Reina goal was just spectacular. The reason I'm not going for the Hurtado goal is because I don't think he actually meant to do that. Oh, he so, meant it. Like, he stuck a leg out. Like that's that was. Nah, I, I think you meant to do it, but yeah. I agree with you that it was very speculative. Yeah, this shot. Yeah. We've seen Hurtado try a lot of things. Yeah, <laughs> you know who else was speculative? A guy named Eric Hassel. That <laughs> oh, was no. also speculative. That's true. No, that's he true. meant to do it. He knew where that was going. But like you know, do you expect it? I, I don't know. That I there was kind of a, a large element of fortune for me in that. So I'm going to go for Reyna's goal uh, against Houston as well. Obviously, I am Freddie Montero with a tap in from Tim Parker's <laughs> header. <laughs> Just because uh, of the, the fun it's given me over the, this season, even asking Tim about it. But no, we're going to have another tie, so we might throw this open to some of the other team because I'm going with Mosquito's bicycle kick. Nice. I just, I do, I love a bicycle kick. But the problem with that goal is it didn't really, it was a garbage time goal. They were already up 3 nothing. And Eric Hurtado's won the game. Yeah. It's still a good goal. And, 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 and the goalie bungled that one. 100% bungle that well, one. He should have stopped that well, one. Well, he was yeah. appealing for handball when Mosquito was going up to take the bicycle kick. That's why the ball went through his legs, right? And he, that goalie, Gonzalez, had a horrible game that day. Yeah, I I, I might review these and uh, we'll revisit this anyway. Flash 5. EFTN. Rank it, baby. 5-1. to one. Flash 5. 
So it's that time of the day. Yeah, we should have show. We, we should have played a warning before that. There's folk listening in the dorms just now, and who knows what that sexy voice is going to have done to them. Yeah. Um. So flash five, uh, top five. Uh, we go through it every week. We actually decided to go with um kind of go. We did uh, top five goals of this year, so we're going to go top five goals every year, and then end up with the top five goals of all time for the Whitecaps in MLS history. This year we're going to go back to 2013. Uh, so, uh, honorable mentions, Kenny Miller, his second goal against New England. Oh, yeah. Scott! When he basically, the ball came in from Camilo, he allowed the defender to get by and then lobbed it over the goalie. One of our Good guys goal. has those boots. Another honorable mention, Kakuta Mane, ha- the third goal against Seattle. It wasn't a great goal. It was Kobayashi just passing it to Mane, put it in. But the celebration afterwards was well worth <laughs> giving it an honorable mention. And that led to the, f- that was in the 4-1 game. Right. Um... But number five, uh, Diego Kobayashi uh, well, against Columbus. Columbus, the second game of the of the year, two one win. Gets the pass. I think he was thirty yards out or so, thirty five yards out. Just launched it and went right over the keeper, lobbed it over. Number four, Camilo um, against Montreal. The second goal, basically the one where he uh, just got, I think it was 25, and the curve on that, because they showed the replay from the behind the net, the curve on that ball was just wicked. Um, number three, Gershon Kofi against TFC in the opener. It was a it was a team goal, similar to the Teixeira goal that you guys talked about. This was YP Lee to Kenny Miller, back to YP Lee, up to Diego Kobayashi, to Kofi for the goal. The, that was the 1-0, right? Yeah, the 1-0. Yeah, game, that, shirt's, that shirt's hanging on my son's wall. It's beautiful. So we'll see what equipment is uh, on his wall for the next goal. Um, it was Camilo versus Chicago. It was the first of his uh, two goals. He basically split the defenders. Oh, yeah. Um, and then got inside the box with one of the defenders, went inside, outside, and then oh, sorry, outside, inside, and then scored the goal. And then number one against Portland, the 2-2 draw. Um, oh, yeah. This was, this was more a setup of beca- – it was a great goal, first of all. But the fact that – they were down one nothing. They drew one one on a penalty. Then Will Johnson put them up two one. All in a matter of like three minutes. And then this goal came in. Maddox crossed it over. Totally overshot the box uh, <laughs> with his cross. Got to YP Lee. YP Lee sent it right back in. And then it was this. Whether you want to call it a scissor kick, um, uh, it was a great goal. And and that would be number one for two. That was a scissor, yeah. Oh, 20, I thought you were doing the flash five for all of no. MLS. No, no, just twenty year by year, okay. and then we're going to go uh, the end of it. All right, I was con- confused as hell there. Okay, that makes sense. That was quite good. Yeah. Okay, well, we'll be back with more awards after this. Hey, it's Stefan Runovic, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. So in this part, we're going to continue with our awards, and... Not going not gonna to do all the ones that I initially had down... Some of these may be a little bit obvious. I think this first one could be. Best performance by a white cap at international level. And I'm just going to throw this out right away. Does anyone have anything different than Kendall Waston's winner that sent Costa Rica to the World Cup? No. Pro- probably not, but the, uh, I want to give an honorable mention to Stefan Marinovic. Um, not only the Confederations Cup, of course he wasn't a white cap at that point, but uh, the, the, one game, the first game against uh, Peru. 
Um, he made a number of saves in there. And so I want to give him an honorable mention, but you definitely Kendall Watson's the, the, the main guy. I, I think you, you also have to mention Alfonso Davies. Oh, for, for sure. For, for, yeah, for Canada, that's a good the, point. The I forgot about that. It's been so long ago. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I. Yeah, when I saw you not include that, I was like, oh. That might have made the white cap some money. Yeah, that, mm, yeah, true. What, what, I mean, Jay, what's your thoughts on it? Yeah, I was going to say the same thing as Zach. I, I agree that that goal for Waston etches his name into history for Costa Rica. Uh, just that moment, and especially it, 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 it's so wonderful when you get to hear the, the Costa Rican feed and and the, the, the play-by-play guy just going bananas on, on that goal. So it's got to be that goal, but... Uh, for sure, uh, Alfonso really stepped up. That was, and unfortunately, it's unfortunate what happened after that, that he really lost form. But uh, he put himself out there on the world stage for that Gold Cup performance, uh, winning the Golden Boot. So good on him. Hopefully, there's lots more of that to come. And young player of the tournament. That's a big thing. Hmm. Okay, let, let's move on to one which we do Hero of the Year. Now, this could be a White Caps or something White Caps related. So let's kick this off with, I don't know, Steve. Let's not kick this <laughs> off with Stephen. Okay, Joe, you can kick this one off. I'm trying to think right now. So when I think of a hero, I think of someone, you know, breaking through, like, crowds of people coming to save the innocent women and children, and that's Reyna <laughs> coming back from injury because everything looked so bad before he, he was on the team. So, like, hero emerging from the mist coming to save everybody. Like, he was – he. imagine if we had him all season. Like, he saved all the women and children. Uh, every single one of them it was fabulous I should have taken a video but uh, no he's my hero for the season Um, maybe Marinovic um, like he he, not to Elstead well he had to kick out a club legend to get to his spot but he you know he his character is is very he looks very resolute Um, good like a good signing Um, maybe maybe for next year he would be the hero of the year but uh, for me it's definitely Jordi Reyna Zach any anything to add to that yeah, I, oh, I, the one we've we just mentioned in the category before, I think Ken, like Kendall Waston, like Jay just said, and like we said when it happened, he he is forever a part of the Costa Rican footballing history, and like, that to me is we could massive. make Kendall the hero and then make Alfonso the best international. Sure, whatever, hmm. whatever works for you. Any thoughts on this, Jay? Yeah, uh, just uh, I guess maybe honorable mention for uh, David Edgar. Um, you know, it does, obviously he didn't show back up in the squad, which we kind of expected. But uh, you know, it was heartbreaking to hear you know of that car accident that uh, injured him in uh, preseason. So, and that as more details came out, it sounded like it was beyond just uh, you know an injury, and that it was actually you know career-threatening type of thing. And, and uh, I, I know he hasn't returned to play for the Whitecaps yet. Hopefully he gets an opportunity to do so because he uh, seems like a quality guy. And uh, so it, it takes a lot to come back from a serious injury like that. So I'm going to give him my hero of the year. Um, I'm going to, uh, because of the Laba injury, and nobody was expecting much of him, I, I give it to Ali Ghazal. Um, because I don't think there was anybody else that could have taken up that position of holding midfielder. And he also allowed, because he was able to do it by himself, he allowed other 
players to kind of push up in the attack if, if we, they were We have Russell Tybert on the bench. No, that's not what Andrew Jacobson, Tony Chani. I don't think Andrew Jacobson would have been able to do that position. He can do it with two people, but I don't think by himself, no. We forgot about that Jacobson goal, the one where he... A Montreal. Side foot oh, no, ball. I had it in the oh, Flash 5 last week. You yeah. had to listen to the show. <laughs> so, so last year's winner was Alan Koch in this category, and the previous winners were Pamidou Ka for his fun little jaunt on the... Happier thing, times. Thing with wheels. I'm sure my age. Hoverboard thing. Hoverboard thing, yeah. Carl Robinson won it in 2013 and 14. I'm not 100% sure why I give it to him Make, in those years. Making the playoffs, probably. Oh, oh no, that would have been 2015. Hmm. Oh, maybe 2014, Maybe we've got to go back around. and read the articles. Yeah. But we'll put a link out when, when we do this. Yeah, so, tweet us your reasons why. Yeah, I mean, Hero, it, it's, a, it's a tough one. We'll, we'll revisit that as well. Villains, though. Now, this could be anything Whitecaps related. Disco won it last year. Anyone want to kick this one off? Anyone you really hate? Well, try and steer Zach away from the front office. No, it's the football committee. They're no. they're, they're the villains, easily. The football committee, like, I, I, yeah. The lack of ambition. That, that's, it's not easy to paint that. <laughs> that's a nice picture. Previous winners in this category... Disco last year, Ricardo Salazar in 2015, Mark Geiger in 2014. <laughs> Let's just use referees. <laughs> yeah. Will Johnson in 2013, David Ferreira in 2012, and Tommy Sonnen in 2011 was the villain right. of the year. Well, he was well-deserving. <laughs> Jay, any thoughts on this category? Yeah, I'm gonna. this is maybe kind of a tertiary connection here, but uh, I'm going to call the villains of the year, uh, it's a group, and it's the Toronto Football Club. Uh, they were villains for the Whitecaps because, of course, they you know beat us here at home, um, and uh, all of their successes this year have have made me squeamish, as I'm sure they have for many other people. And uh, there's there's nothing more villainesque than their current antics in the playoffs and and uh, Josie Altador uh, having a fit in. In the in the tunnel and getting suspended for it, and, and uh, watching Giovinco whine and cry and flip his hands around and get yellow cards, it, in a way, it's actually probably really good for the MLS because you do need a villain in your league. You need that team, and Toronto's become that. Uh, that probably nobody outside of Toronto wants them to have any success. So they're my villain of the year. But but, jo- but Jose and Michael Bradley helped the U.S. not make the World Cup. That's true. So maybe Josie Altador is now my hero of the year. Um, for me, it's going to be the Deuce. Uh, reason why he's the Deuce. That's it. He's the Deuce Juice. Yeah, yeah. I I had him as well. Oh, did you? yeah. Just because of those two goals, broke my heart and made me spend a I, lot of money to go down to Seattle for a couple of days for nothing. And not even on a plane for free. No, I know. Not even flown. So down. you should be with the football committee with me. <laughs> well, they didn't fly anyone down to that game, to be fair. It was Portland into the season. All oh, right. J- Joe, come on, man. Well, actually, Jay re- inspired one for me, and that's Atlanta uh, FC, because, you know, I'm a Whitecaps fan. I live in this bubble. It's mind-boggling to me that you can spend money and still be successful. They've broken all my <laughs> ideals. I'm, my, I don't know where my life is right now. I have to do some serious revisiting. So just based on that, it's, uh, it's Atlanta. Now, I'm going to throw these last two categories that we're going to talk about out together because you, you, could, cla- you could kind yeah. of class them together. 
when I first started doing this, I always did two separate ones. I'm not really sure why, because they are very similar. Most embarrassing moment of the year, from a White Cat's perspective, and the disgrace of the year, which could be really anything at all. Zach seems keen to kick this off. No, I I, I would say embarrassing... uh the approach to the Voyager's Cup and the disgrace of the year is performance in Cascadia, both in the league and in the the, the cup in the playoffs. Uh, most embarrassing, I would probably say uh, the Atlanta Twitter um, a fiasco and disgrace of the year, uh, right back uh, Shane Williams. Ooh. Most embarrassing moment last year was the Fabian Espindola cluster. Previous winners for embarrassing was... Playoff blanks in 2015. Uh, the Camilo saga in 2014. I don't know. Could we have the Montero saga and playoff blanks this year? It, it's it, too early to talk about that, Michael. It's too early. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am going embarrassing for, for only having one shot in target over, over two legs against Seattle. For me, nothing was more em- embarrassing than that. Your thoughts, Jay? Yeah, I'm with you on that one. The the entire league was watching that game. The Whitecaps finally had a chance to step up and once again fell completely flat when they had an opportunity. One shot and just you're subbing on Breck Shea as a left back. Hey, he's a designated player. The, the entire league was watching and Taylor Twelman was watching, so that was even more disappointing. It, it didn't make any sense. And then to follow that up with the disgrace of the year is connected to that, and it's uh, the tone of the front office following that game, and, and Robinson for that matter. Robinson has to, has to protect himself to some degree, uh, but the front office, and, and I, I know Bobo's, uh, response to it. You've talked about it on a previous podcast that how he responded to Har might have been partially due to the timing of the question, but just the, the tone and the response from the president of the club. Uh, there should be real questions about the the direction going forward and and what are the metrics for which this club should be considered successful. And uh, it's clear from his response that this was a successful season. That making the playoffs and otherwise being a complete dud is a, a totally acceptable. And so for me, that's the disgrace of the year. And for me, it's going to be the 3-0 road loss to Seattle. Like, uh, there was so much hope and positivity after after that home home stand, I guess. Um, and just to discombobulate like that, it like, it was so disappointing to watch. Um, like, and I think, I think the disgrace of the year is the road the road attitude on the road that we have on the road like nick a result and like every two games that we that we lost we would win one of them right that's not bad like metric wise but just as a as an approach i'm not a big fan of that michael is this where you want to talk about how they had the best road record in the west and like second or third best in the whole league and all that matters is winning yeah it's all that matters ultimately but I want to also give an honorable mention to Disgrace of the Year for those two residency kids as well. Yes. Oh, yeah. And so, the, uh, <laughs> yeah. I know I don't want to. I, I was steering clear of all the legal stuff, but yeah. no, but the, straight but, in there. No, <laughs> no, but that is. Uh, no, you know, it's a total disgrace. It is. We could just do the Caps' legal woes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> flash, top, flash top five. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the White Caps' Twitter as well was both embarrassing and a disgrace at times this year, pumping up the opposition. 
people tweeting stuff that clearly did not understand the game as well. So the, I think we might find that's different next year. Well, there's been a number of layoffs this week. Yes. Do we know if the person who's responsible for those things is still employed? I, I don't know. Okay. But, yeah. They're still tweeting. Yes. Anyway, thank you so much for joining us for the last couple of segments, Jay. Hopefully next time we'll, we'll get you along to the studio. But just before we go, just let everyone know where they can find you online. I'm at J-A-Y underscore Duke on Twitter and uh, very rarely writing for AFPN.ca. So thanks for having me, guys. Pleasure. Anytime you want to call in, you're more than welcome. You, you, you can put Jay's t- tweets into an article and it's fascinating to read. Yes. So cheers, Jay, and we'll speak to you soon. Thanks. See you guys. So just before we wrap up this segment of the show, I'm going to bring us wavelength a little bit early. Just because people know it's coming at the end and I think they turn off. So I'm bringing it now, just so folk are forced to listen to it. And in honour of having Joe in the studio, we are going back to Cork in Ireland. It's the Sultans of Ping FC. And this is a song that I think people will really resonate with here. This is from a radio session in the early 90s. No more plastic pitches. I had a dream No more plastic pitches No plastic pitches I had a dream No more skin furniture No skin furniture I had a dream I had a dream I had a dream I had a dream One, 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 six, three, four, 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 three, Town, I had a dream, 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 Time for BC Soccer Web Headlines. BC Soccer Web Headlines is brought to you in partnership with bcsoccerweb.com. 
your one-stop site for local, national and international news and links. Make it part of your daily schedule. Check out bcsoccerweb.com. Okay, so a couple of uh, quick uh, little suggestions. Uh, the The first one uh, came out on Thursday is uh, by Sporting News. Um, we called him Dwarf. It was the story of Messi's first days at Barcelona. Um, it's essentially like how Messi was treated when he first came. He wasn't really welcomed with open arms, but obviously he's made a big difference now. Um, another one that was posted by Soccer America, but you can find it on YouTube. Um, it's the Alan Share documentary, mm. Dementia Football and Me. It's about him going through a process of getting tested for it, uh, about how headers and, um, you know, so many uh, headers and practices. And, and obviously he said he scored uh, about a, a half of his, or 50 of his goals by header, so it'd be, uh, that was an interesting article to read. Uh, first, a little bit we saw was um, now. Any can anybody else pronounce this? Because I'm going to have an issue pronouncing this. Uh, Chapin easy. Chapacoinsy, thank you. Uh, beat uh, relegation a year from their tragic plane accident. Um, it's essentially uh, everybody knows about that. What happened last year? With three games to go, they were able to, like, you know, they had to rebuild the whole team. They were able to avoid relegation. And, in fact, another thing that was part of the article, one of the people that were on the flight, a goalkeeper who had his leg amputated, actually returned to training. Yeah. Um, so he's, he's I don't know how much of, he's, if he's going to play or not, but at least he's in training and he's be able to probably be part of the team. They were offered immunity by the league uh, yeah. for, for yeah. relegation and they turned it down. So yeah. that's a huge achievement. They were for offered players, but they took some of those, right, on... I think I believe or, so, um, yeah. but what a story! Honestly, like in the ne- in twenty years from now, there'll be movies about that whole incident. Oh, for sure. Uh, article from the Equalizer Soccer. Uh, Zach, you can sit down because it's about women's soccer. Um, uh, it's Wait, about J- Jesse Fleming eyeing Europe over at NWS. I can sit down. No, no. Oh, sorry, Michael, you can sit down. <laughs> sorry, he's already sitting down. <laughs> oh, that's right. Good point. Um, it's about. Uh, it's from Har, uh, a journalist on Twitter. It's about. Um, the article is about Jesse Fleming eyeing Europe, but what I want to bring about this is, is if she's going eyeing Europe over NWSL, and she's going to be at university, obviously she's going to complete that first. But Vancouver's thinking about bringing a, uh, you know, a women's team in here. They're kind of looking into it. How effective is it going to be if the top stars, from Canadian stars, are looking at Europe? And there's quite a few in Europe. Uh, Kadisha Buchanan, I think, is there. Ashley I think Lawrence. Ashley Lawrence. There's a number of other ones. How effective is this team going to be? Sophie Schmidt. Sophie Schmidt. If she, if if all the top players are there, are going to be able to? Because everybody comes Desiree for the. Scott. Everybody comes for the national team, and the uh, they pack BC place with that. So you know, is is it going to be effective if all those players are going to Europe? Yeah, the, this is part of the problem the states have had, right? They've had all these players go on loan and stuff, and uh, yeah, it, it's this. You need you to, to build a to build a league. You you need some of the the top names, I think, uh, from the women's game to be a part of that. Uh, it, it it's still interesting to see are, are really the Vancouver Whitecaps really going to add a women's team? Um, it, it would I think it would be great if they did. I just with what happened with WFC two, I I see it. I see that as a little bit of a. Some people saw that. I think saw that as a as a as a positive. Get them out of the way so that a women's team can come in. I I'm not so sure that it's it's that simple. Do but you, I could be wrong. Do you trust them to learn from their mistakes that they made with WFC two? And if they do bring in a women's team, uh, probably not. <laughs> well, they've got a big hole to fill now in the training center because There's a whole they, area. Yeah. yeah, they had the whole WFC two thing. So yeah. 
I think they look at things like the crowd at BC plays for that friendly against America and they think, oh... The, but remember, all-star players. Sell, yeah, they're going to yeah. sell this out. I genuinely do not think the demand is there to watch on a regular week-in, week-out season women's football because they'd have to play at BC Place. There's no other place for it. And would they draw double figures? I don't know. So uh, next one... Um, uh from writers, uh, CONCACAF agrees to launch a new Nations League. It's starting, it looked like it's starting in September 2018. We talked about it last week, actually, with Europe. Um, 41 countries into three divisions with promotion and relegation. Um, so I don't know what how many numbers in each division, but it, it's, it's kind of, it will replace friendlies. But does this uh, stop teams from playing from other federations? Like, you can't, can you play a European team or is you stuck with the CONCACAF teams all the time? It's exciting. It's, I'm I'm excited to see how this will play out. I think there's potential for this to be a very positive thing, especially for the Canadian men's national team. Um, yeah, will there still be space? Steve, that's a good question. Like before going to a World World Cup or whatever, will the uh, how much space will there be to play opponents from other co- uh, confederations? But um, yeah, I'm excited to see how it's going to play out, and hopefully, just means more competitive and more competitive home matches for Canada. I know for the uh, for the European Nations League, there is space for friendlies before the tournament okay. because the Nation League acts as a qualifiers for for the whatever tournament is coming up next, right. I believe. So there is still space. But I, I like the promotion and relegation thing. I don't know if anyone plays Football Manager, but if you go like a few years into the future, this Nations League actually starts in Football Manager as terms of a. Are you there yet? Are you how far are you? I'm like I'm, the one I'm playing. I'm still playing the one from two years ago, so I'm at twenty thirty in my game. And, oh. <laughs> um, oh. But uh, it's it's actually a good How's thing the because world <laughs> it's very different. Everyone <laughs> plays like a three five something. It's really really strange. But um, yeah, I, I like the concept. Um, three five two or three five one one. It's so so strange. It's like three three one two or something like that. Yeah. Schalke played something like that recently. So there's less players on a team in the year 2030. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love the idea. And yeah, the promotion relegation aspect just really sells it for me. Yeah. So again, obviously we're talking international there. Uh, we'll get to the World Cup. Uh, some news stories. Obviously we know about who got in and who got out. But um, one of the players that uh, g- uh, got in from the Guardian, Assam Al-Hadri, 44-year-old preparing for his World Cup debut. Uh, he's the Egyptian goalkeeper. Essentially, he made his debut before some of his teammates were born, so that, that was a pretty good article there. Another one, before the qualifications happened, uh, Furious Honduras boss claims Australia is using a drone to spy on his team. Obviously, it worked, too, because Honduras is out, uh, yay, and uh, Australia's in. Um, and obviously, the big uh, big stuff that's coming out of Europe, it, Italy missing out on the World Cup. A couple of headlines. This is the apocalypse. Italian press mourns nationals, nations. Uh, World Cup exit, that's from The Guardian. And Sporting News, Italian economy takes a $1 billion hit. $1 billion, billion euro. euro, sorry, hit following the World Cup flop. Uh, your guys' thoughts on what happened to the World Cup? This- it's a shame to not have Italy at a World Cup because they provide drama. Uh, and uh, they've provided drama over the years. And but, diving. Uh, yeah. That, <laughs> uh, that Euro, the Euro 2000 piece by the guardian where they did a little video where they spying on the times at training and they're all diving it's diving drills pretty awesome but um no they, they they do provide i think something meaningful there they have provided some meaningful they've made meaningful contributions to tournaments in the past so they'll be missed on the other sense yeah i think there's lots of people who don't like the italians and are super super happy i've seen a number of them post on social media there so for me some of my best friends are italian so i feel bad for them that they're well, at least mass will have something to do in the summer other than soccer. <laughs> he can go on vacation or something i watched uh, both of the the Sweden Italy games and Italy didn't show enough no. to go through. Sweden were really organized and I think 
based over the two legs they deserve to deserve to go through. Did you guys see the story of what Peru did when when New Zealand got to got to co- play the second leg in Peru? It, oh my goodness! They it was they, Concacaf like, right? It was yeah. unbelievable. Fans shooting fireworks not around the hotel at the hotel, and then um, in the morning, fi- uh, Peruvian fighter jets that says "Vamos Peru" flying over the team hotel. hotel. Like that kind of noise it would wake anybody up. So some very kind of that's how it should be, right, things. Michael? Win at all costs. Do whatever you got to do to win. Yeah, I, I, Ramos Peru. I think we should find out where the MLS teams stay. Well, we kind of we, we know. Where they I'd stay. just set fireworks and everything <laughs> off. I'm not not condoning or condemning that, but yeah, I mean, it's a shame for the Irish teams going out. I, I had a very small list of who I was going to root for next year in Russia, and that's now really, really small. I think I'm looking at Costa Rica and Australia, and that's pretty Wait, much going to be it. What about Germany? You're going to get behind my Germans? Nah. Mm. It, it looks a really crap World Cup to me, to be I, honest. I saw you say that. On the- I, it genuinely does. When you look at the pots, it's like the group stages and maybe the first knockout round look like they're going to be pretty boring. But it's okay. We all have our own tournament here. With all the teams that never made oh, that's, it. Oh. Yeah, that's what I was going to talk yeah. about. Next up, the article about, you know, how they made... I think I personally think they threw this out because they wanted to see how popular it would be. Uh, but the U.S. wants to organize a, a tournament of losers. Uh, people in America <laughs> call it NIT because um, in basketball, when they have the NCAA March Madness tournament, there's a secondary tournament called the NIT. I've heard loser palooza. Yeah. I've heard it referred to as the world crap. Yeah. <laughs> It's gonna be. They were saying Chile, Ghana, uh, obviously Italy, the U.S., Holland. Netherlands. Yeah, yeah so some some other ones. It's not gonna happen. FIFA will not. FIFA will not allow them to it, do that. It could be played on a friendly tournament basis. No, but but, but not actually during the World Cup. FIFA oh, will no, not allow it. I don't think so. But all these articles that come out every time that World Cup qualification is done, like the best team not to make the World Cup and all that kind of stuff, like you know Bale, Sanchez, and like the, those three Italian defenders for Juventus, like Buffon, yeah, yeah, Buffon, like so many missing players, yeah, yeah. Um, so f- talking about FIFA, obviously the you know the constant corruption case is still going on. Um, a couple of notes from there: FIFA corruption trial, start witness tells of bribes for Qatar 2022 votes. So they're talking about how, you know, some of the votes were bought, which everybody was expecting when that came out. Shocking. Yeah, this is not news, Steve. No, no, it's not news, but it's, it's, in a, it's a headline now, so now we can talk about it without getting liable. Um, uh, 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 <laughs> it didn't work out for somebody because it's a kind of a, a, a sad story. Former official kills himself hours after Barbie accusations in FIFA trial come out. Um, it was Jorge Delhon, uh, Argentina official, who kind of sold the TV rights and was taking money for that. Um, one article, the mastermind, one of the masterminds, former um, South America boss, uh, Nicolas Leoz uh, from Uruguay, oh, Paraguay, sorry, um, uh, has been ruled to the, that he can be extradited to, extradited to face justice in Brooklyn. He was basically in charge of uh, Cannibal from 86 to 2013. He's been under house arrest since 2015. No. Sleep till Brooklyn. <laughs> <laughs> There'll certainly be no sleep for these guys in Brooklyn, but it, it's nice to finally see, hopefully, the first prosecutions. Um, yeah, it's sad that someone took his life, but if you don't do things that's bad, then you're not going to put yourself in that position. Well, he, so. obviously, he felt guilty. Yeah. Or he knew or he, he was, yeah, he he was going to prison. He couldn't, yeah. he couldn't stand being in prison. So... Um, uh, so we're going to go to the, the USL, NASL... Um, off-season story. 
Um, I'm going to read through all these and then we could talk about it. Um, so there was a big long read about the yeah, season ends, NHL club must decide next steps. It was from Midfield Press. It's a good read. He goes over what needs to be done if they want to survive. But this is what happened basically. So North Carolina FC has officially departed NASL to join USL. We talked about it a couple of weeks ago, how this was kind of in the works and they kind of caught NASL blindsided. Um, Edmund, uh, the 11.ca came out with, uh, you know, with the club's path unclear, FC Edmonton begins releasing players. They've released, uh, Daryl Fordyce, Tommy B and Sanyi and Nyasi. And they've also, they're not apparently selling tickets for 2018 either at this point. So you can see that they're probably going to take a sabbatical. Is that Newcastle legend Tommy Amiobi? Who's That's it. Two, two Thank brothers you. play for Newcastle. Probably. Yeah. Um, uh, uh <laughs> it wasn't a good sign for NASL too, because pioneering pro referee Bill Maxwell died at age 87. The reason I brought that up is because he refed the final match of the original NASL. So he died in the same week that the NSL looks like he's going to die. Um, USL announces a deal for expansion franchise in, in Memphis. Atlanta and United looks like they're adding a second team. Yeah, they that was that was confirmed this week, which is fantastic for them. It's not all good news for USL because the Rochester Rhinos announced they need one point three million by the end of the month oh, if they want to survive. So sad. Yeah, endangered I, Rhinos. <laughs> no, it, it it. I maybe we'll talk about this more once we find out what's going to actually happen. But uh, I I had the privilege of going to games in Rochester, so I've been to both the stadiums, the baseball diamond one. And the actual stadium they built, which everyone's like, it's in such a worse neighborhood. And it's like literally like walking distance from where the other one is, like only a few blocks away. And anyways, we can talk about it another time. But it would be sad to see Rochester go. I don't know what I would do with my uh, UMO2 anti-Rochester scarf. Um, yeah. So uh, we talked about USL. One team that's in the USL that's looking to move into MLS is FC Cincinnati. They um, they have plan- Their plans for the Cincinnati-based stadium is still in limbo. Uh, according to Soccer America, and but they are saying that they're going to, uh, you know, the privately finance the stadium, um, and so it's kind of if here and there for that. Of course, we all got you know you talk about teams coming in, but one team looks like it's going to move now for sure. Columbus City leaders left disappointed and frustrated after meeting with crew ownership. Um, a couple of things that came out of that, uh, the crew belong, uh, from Yahoo sports, he came up with an article, the crew belongs at Columbus with an owner who needs to realize it. And then, um, uh, from the Scotsman.com, uh, brew dog wants to buy an MLS club, which is the crew and sell it back to the fans. And so that's going to have to be like, uh, almost like a crowdfunding thing. I don't think that's going to happen, but it's a good, they're apparently located near Columbus. So yeah, I'm not sure they know how much money they'd need to raise. That would be a lot of crowdfunding. Yeah. The, the, reading the, the statements that came out of that, that meeting or whatever in New York were extremely frustrating and, and disappointing. I think on both sides, really, because both sides, you know, the, the, the MLS league statement was like, Oh, we were expecting some concrete, like, you know, detailed offers or, uh, you know, plans for the future or whatever. And, and, the, the the other side, the Columbus City people and whatever the pro the save the crew people were like, MLS is not willing to to move on this, and so really disappointing. If you live in Columbus and you enjoy football, it's looking bleaker and bleaker. It just seems they went to that meeting with their mind already made up. Oh, well, that, their mind was made up in twenty thirteen. Yeah, well, twenty thirteen, but even last year it was done basically. Um, yeah. It just they didn't announce it to anybody or didn't leave. I, that the, one thing I really hope happens. I really hope that that uh, that San Antonio group. I hope they sue MLS and I hope they win. That that would be if this is all going to shake down that way. That would be poetic justice. The MLS needs a shakedown. 
This is news to me. Why isn't that on the headline? <laughs> yeah, I mean, so much stuff just from the, the headlines that, that Steve read out there. Precourt, I was close to making him the villain of the year for AFTN. We are kind of away from that. I still might make him the villain, I don't know. But, I mean, the whole thing in, in Austin and Columbus, it's just it's just despicable. Every week, more stuff comes out, and you think it's shady, and then something even shadier comes out. Yeah. And the, the NASL, they looked like they were going to have an agreement in place. They had meetings with USSF, and then... NSL were wanting three years sanctioning at D2. USSF offered one, so it seems like those talks have now stalled. I would just take the one, be happy with that, and build on that, because at least you know you've got a season next year. I guess they are wanting the long-term, long-term stability. San Francisco Delta's won the, the, the soccer ball. <laughs> one and done. Folded the next day. Yeah. So that was sad. Mark DeSantos is definitely not coming back, even if the team do come back. He said he's going on to pastures new. Obviously, I'd like him here when Robbo takes the Wales' job, but he, he looks like he's probably wanting to go out east, it says. He wants to be closer to his family. Well, but that's the thing. Anywhere from San Francisco to Montreal, almost anywhere is closer. Yeah, it's going to be closer. So DeSantos taking over from Robbo, it's going to be fantastic. Looking forward to it. I, I will forgive him all the crap from the D2 days. So you won't wear that white T-shirt that you have at your house? No. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, just quickly before we wrap up, I want to just talk about MLS expansion. The next decision is, or the first two teams are going to be announced before Christmas. It looks like it's down to three teams. Nashville, Cincinnati, Sacramento. Not, not Detroit? No, they don't seem to be right up there, even though they've got three billionaires back in it. It does look like the, the three hot runners are, are those three. But who who do you think is going to get the two spots, and who would you like to get the two spots, just quickly? I, I I would like Sacramento, and it's just it's having been there, having talked to some of their people. Uh, I would like to see them get, it. and also it's another semi-close place you could drive to from from British Columbia if you wanted to. Um, so Sacramento, I'd, l- I'd love to see that happen, and then um, Cincinnati. Yeah, I, I mean, I would like Cincinnati for Alan Koch. That's who I'd like. I, I think it's. I think it's. Uh, I don't. I don't think it's going to be uh, Sacramento. I really think they're going to be left in the cold. It's more and more. It sounds like Nashville is going to happen, which is it boggles my mind. Interesting, but but a lot of people when they got the hockey team, everybody was going, "Why are you going to Nashville?" And that's been pretty successful now. So maybe that that will happen. Well, I'm not saying it can't be successful. No, I'm just no. I didn't think. I don't think it's going to be successful. I didn't think it was going to be successful back then either. No, but see, like football culture has has done well in some of these places. Yeah, in the that States. you don't expect. Yeah. Right, like look at look at what Chattanooga FC has done, right, and stuff, and. That's partly why they're interested in Nashville. I think that's part. That's why they're interested in Detroit because of Detroit City. You know, they they see the potential for this. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I like uh, Joe. What do you think? Well, I don't. I don't know enough about the the bids that are being made. But as far as who I want to be there, I think Cincinnati for sure. They were really entertaining to watch during the U.S. Open Cup. Um, some exciting players and. Um, I don't know the good, really good fan base and very passionate fans. I I would really really like them. Like some teams go through a transformation when they become an MLS club. I really hope they retain those properties that made them so that captured everyone's hearts during that that cup run. Yeah. For me, it has to be Sacramento and Cincinnati, two proper football clubs, proper football support already established. If it goes to the Dolly Partons. 
it's just the league's going tits up. I, I got a question because I don't I don't follow um, Sacramento too much. Did they, have they slowed down since their first year, or is they're, it still, they're still at getting the same? good crowds? They're not performing that well on the pitch. Not on the pitch, but I'm talking about in the stands. No, they're still they're still pulling five figure crowds. Yeah, the th- only thing is, is that about Sacramento is they're not a big uh, considered a big TV market. Yes, I and know. that would be the biggest. And they're thing. close to San Jose, yeah. and then you've got the two LA teams, and San Diego's a market potentially in the future and stuff as well. So it's whether they want to have another West Coast thing. I don't think they probably will. I think it probably will be Nashville, but they I, need more all the wrong the reasons. Coast. All the wrong reasons. But yeah, it's it's strange because that bid, it also has the support of the, your team, the 49ers, right? They're involved. Yeah. It, it, San Jose is not doing well, right? Like they off the field, they are not doing well. So Even su- with a brand new... you suggesting moving San Jose no, I, to I, Sacramento? No, I'm not. But I, here first, folks. No, I'm not. But I think having a close rival like that, I think could could help yeah and i i i love the bay area and sacramento it's a bit too hot for me but it's have you been to a game there no okay i was going to but then the weather was terrible so yeah terrible as in being good (laughs) no it 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 was it was good times so we'll see how all that shakes up we've got a lot more to talk about in weeks to come we've got some really fun shows coming up in the next couple of weeks i have some surprises that i haven't told these guys that we're going to be doing some new segments yay Going to be a, no, it's going to be a lot of fun stuff that no one else is doing on Vancouver Radio. I'm scared, like all your other segments. Yeah, <laughs> Zach, I'm scared. <laughs> Clothing is optional. <laughs> I I'd prefer you didn't, but okay. Anyway, <laughs> just before we go, just let everyone know where they can find you online. You can find me on Twitter at WhitecapsBeat. Uh, you can find me at cheesy underscore DZ. I'm uh, on the Twitterverse. It's at Zachary Am, and I'm a part of the Movement Corver Collective. And as we end the show, too, I want to give a shout out to Zach Ratcliffe. And yes. he's one of the people who lost his job in the front office, or his time is coming to an end, or whatever. I want to give a I want to give a shout out to my niece, uh, Rasna. Uh, she made the November HPP uh, camp for 2005 born. So big shout out to her. Nice. My name is Michael McCall. You can find me on Twitter at AFTN Canada. Read our stuff AFTN.ca. Away from the numbers. Find us on Instagram at AFTN Soccer. Until next week, thanks for listening, take care, and mon the caps. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life. Ten minutes left. Yeah, but-